seven of Blast Points is Jason. And this is Gabe. We got a treat for everybody this week. It's a real treat. It's a special episode. It really is. It's special with a, not even a capital S, like all the letters are capital in it. It's so special. We are so happy to be welcoming back David W. Collins, talking all about the sound design of Bad Batch, Visions, Biomes, Galaxy of Sounds, the Lego specials, and more. I don't know. This is an episode we, we're trying to get off the ground for <laughs> literally like two years. He's a really busy guy, and he took the time to talk to us for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but we're very glad he did, and I have a feeling you're going to enjoy talking to him as much as we did. So excited for folks to be able to hear this episode, but there's something else going on. Just because it's a special episode doesn't mean we forgot. Snoketoberfest. <laughs> still October means it's still Snoketober and it means we, we got to keep the fest going just because we're classing up the joint with David Collins doesn't mean that you got to put the beer steins and the pretzels away and the gold slippers no 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 still Snoketoberfest yeah I filled mine up with uh was it soft serve last month and I haven't even got through half of it so I'm still chugging that soft serve there's glitter in my beer stein but I'm gonna drink it anyways because Snoke would want it that way. Do you think Snoke, could Snoke drink liquids? Or would it just like pour out of one of those holes in his throat? That's gross. No, I think he could drink. If he couldn't drink, he wouldn't be able to breathe. He'd be like breathing through those holes. And, you know, he maybe he would use the force to, to uh, seal up any holes while he's drinking his uh, Snoketober beverages. Oh, I wish we could get, like, the private life of Snoke. Just, like, Snoke's downtime. Well, you know, we keep getting all these surprise Disney Plus shorts. Maybe there'll be one that's just a day in the life of Snoke, and it's just, like, <laughs> security footage from the from his big spaceship. And it's just like, oh, there's Snoke making breakfast. Oh, there's Snoke sitting on the couch. There's Snoke reading giant books. <laughs> Trying on giant hats. Maybe he has giant reading glasses he puts on. That that whole, like, magnifying thing that was in his throne room, that's, you know, that's what he uses to read the books. <laughs> so you can look at the menu for takeout. Do you think chicken wings would be good, or should I just get a sandwich? Yeah. The spooky purple dudes, they were they were just delivering the takeout. That's mystery solved right there. Yeah. They're not, like, hyperspace navigators or whatever. They're really just, like, the guys he sends out to get lunch. <laughs> Because it takes, like, two two big dudes to carry his lunch. So, like we said, we're doing a little something different every single week for Snoketoberfest this year. And this week, inspired by the making of Mandalorian thing that came out on Disney Plus a while back, we are using the height of technology, the re-speech technology like they used for Luke Skywalker, to recreate Snoke's voice. And I think, just like the re-speech in The Mandalorian, I think we nailed it. Yeah, let's check it out here. Hello, my name is Snoke. Are you sure that wasn't a deleted scene from the movie? Industrial light and magic. You don't even need any circus anymore. It's the future. 
And did we? Is this the pinnacle of Snoketoberfest? I don't know. Snoketoberfest. <laughs> Meanwhile, in another part of the galaxy... Rebel base, 30 seconds, and closing. The rebel attack force is preparing for their last desperate assault on the Death Star. All pilots, near station. The pilots man their fighters, and the tiny squadron rockets off to meet their fate. We're starting our attack run. Can they destroy the deadly battle station? There's more to come in the next stirring commercial for Star Wars. This is it. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. So here we go. Let's get down to business. Let's uh, let's all listen to the time we got to talk to David W. Collins all about the sounds of Star Wars. Here we go. All right. So the the last time that we talked, though, it was a couple years ago, and we were talking about the score from the the phantom menace which now with everything it seems like a hundred years ago but you you've been pretty busy since then to say the least yeah i don't even remember how many it must have been two years ago i think was i doing resistance at the time star wars resistance yeah i think so because if i remember you were talking about uh working on bb8 sounds right that's right yeah at the time i think i i'd taken my my um keyboard uh and uh, i had mapped out a bunch of BB-8 sounds over a bunch of octaves, and I would just play the performance. I still have to do that, and I still have that instrument every once in a while. I did a thing recently, um, boy, just to jump right into it. So uh, a surprise release that happened recently on Disney Plus was Star Wars Galaxy of Sounds. And, uh, you know, that is a very faithful representation of what is actually in the movie. The movie is, you know, I went in and I grabbed 11 movies, you know, out of the archives, and 16 episodes of The Mandalorian because the really talented editors in Trish Brenner's group up at Lucasfilm had had assembled these pieces. They're like almost like sound poems, you know, but I needed to reassemble them with all the surround assets and, you know, clean edits and make sure that everything was totally clean, you know, uh, because not all their edits were. And, um, and kind of string these together in a way that was like really true to the movies, but also kind of thoughtfully uh, edited from shot to shot and had really, really great sequences. But there were some shots as pure as I tried to be, there were some shots that actually just didn't have sound in them. A, a famous one comes to mind that's been parodied on the internet is, you know, other than a little bit of Foley, there is nothing in that award ceremony shot in that, in that entire scene. There's some Foley of them putting on medals and stuff. And so I had to add like little background ambience or something like, you know what I mean? Like just so, just so the air is moving a little bit. And another one is at the very end of Rise of Skywalker. There's a shot of uh, of Ray uh, going out and looking at the twin sons, and BB-8 follows her. And that shot is completely without sound in the archive because it's a completely music driven moment. So I had to, you know, cheat on that particular shot. I had to recreate that shot uh, and edit in BB-8 because it actually wasn't in the movie. So things like that, I had to kind of just fill in a few holes here and there. But it's kind of like retouching a painting. You don't want to mess with the painting at all. You just want to make sure that it's kind of perfectly put together. And and um, there were a couple of times where there'd be like an alarm going through multiple shots or I'd have to sweeten some things or, you know, edit around some things. But for the most part, it is exactly what is – I would say 95% of it is what's in the movies. 
But anyway, long story short, I still use that BB-8 instrument. It still comes up when BB-8 shows up. Oh, Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales. I did all the BB-8 uh, with that instrument in that as well. So, yeah, it comes in handy uh, playing droids on a keyboard. I'm still thinking about the Galaxy of Sounds, like the awards ceremony. During that part, I sat there watching it, and I was just like, you don't say. That's so crazy. I was totally – I was just like, wow, I never noticed all these sounds in there. The, the Foley is in there. The rest of it I had to just kind of – I had to fill it in because you would get to that shot and there would just be nothing, you know. Um, so it was weeks and weeks and, 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 you know, as a, as a, you know, someone that loves to, you know, um, sit and listen to the Jedi council of, of sound designers and things like that at Skywalker sound, it was like a, like a religious experience listening to that stuff for weeks, you know, just listening to the movies in isolation. I can now say I've, I've heard all those movies without, without music and they are a completely different experience, completely different. And some shots just don't have much in them because, all those effects were pulled down in order to favor that great music. And uh, that whole sequence was designed from the ground up, just like the binary sunset by George Lucas to be a musical moment. So of course there's not much sound, but you know, it's also a classic moment and you want it in this montage. So, you know, you just kind of carry it through, or maybe it's a little bit of reverb from the previous shot carrying over and then it bleeds into the next shot. And, you know, you kind of jump the cut with sound a little bit to kind of fill the, the top end and back ends of it, you know, but, um, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a creative task. And it was a really interesting challenge because I wanted to, you know, have it be faithful to every, all the work that everyone did. And I felt a lot of pressure of, you know, representing and making sure that that work was true and sound carries emotional memory. So we all know what those scenes sounds, those scenes sound like, or at least we think we do, you know, and so you want to do it justice if you're going to remove something as, as critical to those scenes as John Williams was or is. And, uh, and so, yeah, every once in a while I did, but most of it wasn't, um, there, there, I just gave you my big scoop <laughs> that galaxy of sounds, you know, was some work, which I sure nobody surprised is surprised about, but, um, yeah, it was a tricky, tricky balance and, you know, wonderful, um, wonderful judgment call, you know, working with the editors, you know, and, uh, they were really, the editors kind of acted like directors of those pieces and, and they kind of had a vision for how they would come together. Vision of what a great segue. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Sorry. It's I'm sorry it's taken me so long to come back and talk to you guys. It's such a good time talking about the Phantom Menace music. And then uh work exploded at, at the same time that the pandemic happened. Things just got very, very busy. And uh, you know, we figured out a way for me to keep working from home and and uh I got the bad batch right as we all went into lockdown. I mean, and uh and I've just been going ever since. And um so much has come out. There's still so much more happening. It's just such a good time, not just to you know work on this stuff, but to be a fan of this stuff because there's just so much great content coming out. So with you mentioning the transition to working from home with audio, that's not always something you can do as easily uh, remotely. Were you able to kind of have your setup at home be okay? Or is that something you still had to go into the office more or less to do you know final mixes and that type of thing? The answer is both. So the ranch, just like the rest of the world, was closed, you know, for a bit um, for safety reasons. You know, state of California, you couldn't even go in to, to work. Um, those buildings were closed. During that time, we had to figure out how to keep going. Every, and not just me. I mean, everyone, the whole world, you know, uh, they had to figure out how to finish Mandalorian season two. You know, they had to figure out we had to figure out how to do loop group on Mandalorian season two, which we all did from home, which Matt Wood geniusly figured out how to get everybody 
uh, on Zoom and also into Source Connect and also seeing picture, but making sure that the de- there was delay compensation for, uh, you know, internet latency and, and every, and then it ended up being that everyone's on a discrete track instead of in a, in a room together, you know, on, on an ADR stage at the Disney lot, you know, and so there were some advantages, you know, because suddenly we had discrete audio coming from everyone. Like the technological marvels that were pulled off were unbelievable with uh, a tremendous amount of help from Skywalker. I was able to basically keep working um, because I, the last thing I did before the pandemic was galaxy of adventures, which is there these really wonderful, almost anime inspired uh, YouTube shorts. And I did that at the ranch. That was February, 2020. And, and I was in Matt's office looking at the first episode of bad batch. And I was like, Oh, I want this show. I want this show. And he's like, okay, yeah, well let's, let's, let's try and get you on it. And, you know, and I talked about my Republic commando history and, I just felt like it was really in my wheelhouse. And I felt that way about the batch ever since I saw them in that 2015 panel I did with Dave and Pablo. And, and then I didn't know that I wouldn't be at the ranch again for a while. Once things got a little better later into 2020, I was able to kind of send signal back up to the ranch and then even go up and mix at the ranch and, and things like that. But there was a time where I was doing everything from home and Skywalker figured out, just like the rest of the world did, how to de- deploy technology to people to keep them going. It's amazing, you know, some of the stuff that we pulled off in terms of like, you know, being able to to see and hear mixes live, you know, uh, through a web portal or something like that for people that aren't able to be in the same room with each other. Because even when you're mixing, you know, there's only so many people that could be in the room, that sort of thing. I mean, the the entertainment industry and the games industry, everyone that I talked to just it was amazing what they were able to pull off in order to keep going. Um, and very few interruptions on my end. And any, if anything, because I've been working on putting together a home studio since literally since 1999, I've been building a home studio up. So when I started at Skywalker, eventually I was able to kind of do some work from Los Angeles where I live and then go up to the ranch and kind of do a hybrid situation anyway. So I was very lucky in that I was ready. You know, when it happened, I was like, I can keep going. I'm good for now. Get everyone else up and running and I'll, I'll just keep working. And, uh, and so I had almost no interruption in that regard, but, uh, yeah, happy to say that I'm back at the ranch every time I mix now. And, and, uh, and that's been, that's been happening since last year. Yeah. That's been the amazing thing with all the stuff that's come out during the pandemic is you don't even realize that there's all these people were working from home or working in less than ideal situations because the quality of what came out is as good as anything. So yeah, it's, it's very, very impressive what everyone has been able to pull off. Yeah, it it is. It's incredible. It's incredible. That's one silver lining in a really horrible time, you know, a tragic time. Uh, it, it was great because everyone was glued to entertainment and entertainment, you know, really got us all through, you know, just being stuck at home. And so, so, uh, that's good. I'm, I'm really, I, I'm so impressed by, uh, Matt Wood and, and the engineers at Skywalker and, and everything that they figured out because we were able to just keep going. We do need the facilities there. We do need tuned rooms and, you know, mixed stages and things like that in order to have, you know, good audio reference. I'm very lucky in that I have a good room here where I, you know, I've, I've, I'm used to it. I've mixed things here before as a freelancer, even before I started at Skywalker. So I was able to kind of have things translate back and forth in a great way. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I worked my way through the pandemic. I just worked nonstop, you know, bad batch and visions and two Lego specials and biomes and, and vehicle fly throughs. And I, I don't even remember 
oh, uh, a bunch of loop group stuff, uh, WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier. I mean, we were just doing so much stuff. And it was weird because in a way you could work more because you didn't have to commute, you know, so you worked longer hours. But uh, but uh, it was it's just been an, a tremendous uh, time in terms of uh, Skywalker Sound since I last spoke to you guys. And I'm really grateful for the opportunities to do something, especially Bad Batch. That's just been something I've poured my heart into. And, and I love that show so much. And it's such a good team. Yeah, I think when we were doing our weekly Bad Batch talks, we often were talking about, like, this show is so good. This show sounds so good. And yeah, we would mention, like, so much of this was done from people's homes. And, yeah, like like Gabe was saying, it's just it's just phenomenal. Yeah, we were lucky. There were a couple episodes in the middle of the season where you could tell that the cast had to record from home and we were figuring it out. <laughs> but But that really – you know, I'm amazed at how much we were able to pick up and re-record later. And, you know, I mean, it, it was, it's such a, it's such a good show and, um, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I probably spent way too much time, uh, on the sound mixes and the design and, and, um, it was also just a very busy time for the rest of the, the Star Wars crew that normally does a lot of the Star Wars sound because, um, all the Marvel shows started coming in, starting with WandaVision, you know, so from WandaVision to Falcon and Winter Soldier to Loki, you know, um, Matt Wood did all those. I don't know if a lot of Star Wars fans know that, but he was the supervising sound editor on all of those. So his crew of like Bonnie Wilde and, and a lot of the other, um, a lot of the other great talent up at the ranch, uh, were all working on those shows. And I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm over here. I'm just, I'm, I'm working on this, you know, records, getting his chip out. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be fine. You know? I was just over here working on my thing and, you know, Matt would pop in and check in on me and everyone was busy, you know, and then you go to the ranch and check in and see how it sounds. And yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, since you brought it up, you hosting that panel in 2015 about the, the older episodes or the original, like the animatics and stuff, how was, how does it feel to, to actually be working on the show? Like that had to have been extra crazy for you in particular. Yeah, I mean it's really crazy because I I spent um, two years as the audio lead of Star Wars Republic Commando from two thousand December of two thousand two to about October of oh four, really into March of oh five when it when it launched. I was in my late twenties. It was my first audio lead in the video games business, and um, for a long time it was just me working on it. You know, because I was on it so early. Um, you know, doing all the integration in Unreal trying to figure out the sound engine, trying to schedule the Foley, trying to, you know, deal with all the uh, sound design and, you know, music and dialogue and casting and all that kind of stuff. For the longest time, probably until about Force Unleashed, <clears throat> that was really my favorite expression of Star Wars that I'd ever had a chance to, to create. I really, really loved that, that game still um, and what it meant to me at the time. You know, it was, it was a very formative uh, experience for me, you know, early in my career. And, um, when I saw Bad Batch, of course, you know, after seeing Delta Squad in, in Clone Wars make a cameo and I've, you know, talked to Dave about it over the years and, and uh, everyone seems to love that game. You know, it's, it's sort of grown in fondness over time, which is great. You know, I didn't know how people thought of it when it first came out and, you know, come to find out years later, they loved it. Um, when I saw the Bad Batch, of course, I was like, oh, this is like, this is like the, uh, another iteration, you know, because George Lucas was really instrumental in making sure that those clones had the personalities they had in the original game. Um, at the very end, he said, you know, they all sound the same. <laughs> and we we're like, well, yeah, well, all we had to go on at the time was attack of the clones because revenge of the Sith wasn't out yet. 
And, you know, we hadn't had a chance to see a rough cut yet when we were making it. Or when he was making it and we were making the game. And so he was like, you know, you should really have one be the funny one and one be the the badass and one be the, the you know, uptight one and then one be the lead. You know, really make them different. He even actually suggested that we reach out to Robin Williams and see if we can get him to play the funny one. Um, another name that he mentioned was Rick Overton from Willow. And so we did. We reached out to them. I, I know Robin Williams politely declined. But uh, could you imagine if he was in that game? Um, and so we, we recast – you know, with Raphael Sabarge and Jonathan Cook and um, Andrew Chaikin. And, and I flew to New Zealand to record Tamara Morrison, which was amazing. And when I saw The Bad Batch in 2015, I, I was thinking, this is George, you know, he's still working on this idea with his, with the team, with Dave, you know, and this idea of like the, you know, special clones or aberrant clones that have unique skill sets. And and I just felt like, well, this is, this. I love this idea. I've, I've loved this idea for, uh, you know, a decade and a half. And I just felt a real fondness for it as soon as I saw the animatic in that episode or in that panel. And, you know, watch it. It was in a rough form, but it was great to see more uh, Clone Wars because it had just just been canceled and Rebels was just coming out. And so it was great to see more Clone Wars, but I just thought, oh, man, what a cool thing. And then so, of course, when I first saw it uh, in in Matt's office – and by the way, that in itself is – uh, like going to a shrine or something because Matt and Ben used to share this incredible office on the top floor of the tech building of the ranch with this like amazing view of Lake Ewok and all that. And so he sits, you know, uh, in this, in this incredible office with Dave Acord and you go in and you're just like, Oh my God, this is like, this is like the epicenter of prequel sound right here. Um, you know, that's where I watched it for the first time. And, and, uh, and I, I really wanted to, to do that show. And I just, immediately um when i started cutting on it it just felt like familiar ground and that first scene um just kind of as a wink to myself i i put the um the very first sound i ever made for republic commando was uh, a weapon or ammo pickup sound it kind of goes you know like that just as kind of a wink to myself really i uh i used it as the um attachment on crosshair's sniper rifle when he fires those wires at the aat tanks for um record to tank down so when he puts that attachment on it, goes, and it's that very first Republic Commando sound I made in 2003, I think, winter of 03. Crosshair, let's get these tanks moving. Sir, yes, sir. And I still had it in the library. I was able to find it, I'll find all the old LucasArts stuff in the Sky Sound library. And I, every once in a while, I'd, I'd go to it because, you know, you're searching for a sound in your head and you would... I would I would be like, oh, it needs to sound like this Republic Republic Commando thing I did. You know what? Let me just go grab that, and I would cut it in and I'd move on. Well, little did I know that the internet would notice, and <laughs> you know there'd be YouTube videos about Republic Commando and video game sounds in the Bad Batch. You know, and it occurred to me that because those sounds are in the Sky Sound Library, but a lot of times there there's not a lot of metadata in the files, meaning they're in a giant database. There's thousands of files. And if you don't know what to search for, you don't know what you're listening to because there's not like a description that says blaster, blah, 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 with thunderous tail ending in impact. None of that was ever – none of that library work was ever done. It was just a dump of all these file names and maybe you'll kind of see what game it's from. But if you're not familiar with the game, it's not going to be that helpful to you as a sound editor. Well, I named a lot of those files (laughs) back in the day. So if I wanted to grab – a certain weapon sound, I'd be like, you know, wep underscore gen underscore yyy underscore da 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 da, you know, dot wave or whatever, oh one dot loop, you know, or whatever I whatever I wrote, 
and it would just come right up and I'd grab it. So I had this weird um, advantage in that the whole LucasArts library was available to me. And it just looks like Greek, I think, to anyone else because why would you ever cut out of this? It's hard to find anything, but I know exactly what to go and look for. Um, so I think it just happened that I was able to kind of bring all of that game sound that you know some very, very talented colleagues and I uh, worked on you know, for years and place it back into animation. Not because I, you know, was trying to, you know, do it as a, as a wink, but it did kind of turn out that way. If anything, it was a wink to myself, but just because sometimes I knew that sound in my head from, you know, having used it so many times or having heard it so many times playing hours of games, whether I did or did not work on it. Um, and so it ended up in the show. So a long winded answer to your question. Yes, it was very meaningful to me when I started working on the Bad Batch and, uh, and it just felt like, um, a very, very rare opportunity to be able to revisit something from early on in your career in a, in a way, in a new format and have almost like a second, a second swing at bat. You know, I, I just am so grateful for that opportunity and I, I certainly didn't want to waste it. And then come to find out by the time you get to the eighth episode, there's a whole Republic commando homage <laughs> In, uh, it, it, you know, after he gets shot by Cad Bane and he wakes up in the visor, you know, the director said when I went in the playback, he goes, what's that beeping? What's all that sound? And I said, OK, well, um, since this is a Republic Commando homage, I had to recreate um, the exact sound of what it happened, what happens when your HUD boots up at the top of a level. <laughs> and he goes, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep it in. Keep it in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had to put that stuff in there. I had to cut it all in. You know, that, those sounds happening at the top of every level when, that, when it first loads up is actually a bug that I never fixed, you know, because the HUD, the HUD comes online at level load. And so the first thing it does is it takes your shields from 0% to 100% and it takes your health from 0 to 100%. And there's sounds attached to those, to those game events. And so it just happened. But the team was so used to it that they didn't want to remove it. So like this bug from a game that I worked on in Unreal 2 back in 2003 and four. Um, ended up being imitated in an episode of one of my favorite episodes of the Bad Batch of the season. And, and you know, for me, that's just such a trip, you know, to, to kind of have been there for all of those moments to know those things. And yet here we are turning it into, you know, uh, a thing that exists in everyone's, like I said, uh, sound contains memories that exists in our emotional memory from hours of playing that game. And then suddenly to see it as an adult, you know, watching the Bad Batch um, and have it resonate, it means, means a lot to me. It's, it's, it's amazing. Amazing. I think that's like one of the coolest things. It's like when when those like Easter eggs of sound would come out after a Bad Batch episode came out and some people would notice it and you were right there on Twitter being like, yep, you heard that right. And it was such a cool thing, like I think for fans to know that you're a fan there's got to be moments where you pinch yourself where it's like, is this like, I think it's what we were saying with like hosting the panel from celebration 2015 to working on the show. Like how does being a fan inform maybe what you're doing? Well, uh, it informs everything. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, Matt Wood's a fan. Ben Burt was a fan. You know, he's a fan of science fiction. Mark Hamill was a fan of science fiction. You know, George Lucas was a fan. Like if you're not passionate about it, then you're not going to want to work as hard <laughs> It's so it's such hard work, and I don't mean that as a way to complain. I mean it's long hours, and if you want it to be any good, you you have to really pour yourself into it. And in order to be willing to do that, you have to. I think you have to be in love with it. At least I do. I've been lucky enough to work on a lot of franchises, and I always come back to Star Wars because it's my first love. If I wasn't working on this, I would find it comforting, um, as I do with Matt Wood. 
you know, and Doug Chang and John Knoll and some and Dennis Muir and people who've been working on it forever, I find it comforting that the same passionate people um, are still a part of the team. You know, new people come in and they bring amazing ideas and and they are trained and they, you know, they they become Star Wars. You know, like Favreau and Filoni and and all of the talented people. But but you know, when you see people that have been with it for years and years, it's of course because they love it. You know. I, and so I, I love that I get to chat with um, Matt and Dave and, and, you know, a lot of the other sound artists and just kind of geek out on stuff when we see it for the first time. And I think that really helps um, when you do have to put in a, some weekend work or work late hours or, you know, stay up, you know, into the wee hours of the night because your edit has to be on the mix stage in the morning. You know, um, it really helps, really helps to be a fan and it keeps it fresh. You know, when you're in it, you kind of are playing two roles because you you you're working. You know, you're you're also being a professional, and you have to be. And in fact, I think when I first started at the ranch, I was scared to let anyone know I was a Star Wars fan when I was an intern on the scoring stage because I thought they wouldn't take me seriously. And years at LucasArts uh, cured me of that because you know someone came, another designer came by, and they're like, um, "By the way, what does Tie stand for?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's Twin Ion Engine." And they're like, "Oh," and then suddenly I realized, "Oh, you know, my geekiness and all those books and comics and games and everything that I you know read and, and took in is actually an asset." So maybe I shouldn't be shy about being a Star Wars fan. Uh, I learned that in the first year at LucasArts, and ever since I've just never been shy about being a fan because you know I think I think Feige is a fan of Marvel. You know, I think that uh, I think that everyone who's really good at it is is in love with what they do. And I think that's really important. So when did, I'm curious, like when did sound music, the importance of, of storytelling and sound, storytelling music, is there a moment where you can look back where you were like, you know what, I really love this stuff. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I was a musical theater kid. And, um, and so in a lot of ways, music and storytelling and, and all of that um, were kind of the same in my head, you know, acting in music. And, and uh, I remember, you know, being in college thinking, Oh, it's weird. There's a theater department and a music department and they're not the same department. I really thought that way as a kid. I think, you know, my love of recording studios came from playing in bands as a kid, but my love for sound design really came from that string of movies that we grew up with. It came from star Wars, Indiana Jones, you know, Gary Reisner's work in Jurassic park and the Terminator you know, those, those movies, uh, aliens, you know, Tron, you know, the flanging footsteps in Tron. I noticed all that stuff as a kid and I'm like, what? It, it felt like magic to me. I mean, the whole thing felt like magic, but because I was, you know, thinking of a lot in terms of music and sound and storytelling, it all just kind of made sense that I would be in that, you know, and my, my interest in recording technology and recording studios that, that I would end up playing in that side of things, um, as opposed to photography or lighting or things like that. So, I think it happened very early on for me. You know, um, I've said it a couple of times already, you know, about sound having emotional memory. You know, you can play a lot of sounds for a Star Wars fan and um, they can tell you where in the movie or what movie it comes from and what's being said. And, you know, they think about it. They even track it when you use a classic sound in a show. I think to myself, well, someone out there is going to think, oh, he used the Luke Skywalker Walker hatch explosion again. Oh, oh, yo, the I get it. The Marauders, you know, dying, and he's using the pod. The pod, you know, Anakin's pod engine isn't starting up. I weigh all of those decisions all the time. By the way, I did absolutely use the Anakin startup sound because 
I had very few frames to get the story point across and nothing tells that story faster and clearer than that classic Anakin sound. Okay, we all get it. Okay, the ship's going, we got to plug in Gonky and we got to, you know, we got to get the power back or we're never going to escape this planet. And so you end up making those decisions anyway because you, you, the story is the most important thing and I only have a certain amount of frames to, to get a point, story point across and there's music blaring in the background. Like, so I think about, uh, the point is I think about sound all the time because I remember those sounds so clearly. I, I remember that indie punch so well as, as a kid, you know, and I think we all do. And, and it's funny because it's an invisible art, but I'm also the loudest person on screen. I'm the loudest person in the the living room, you know, when it's being played, I'm, I'm invisible, but that thing goes boom. I made it go boom. And I, I love that. I love that. I can hear people watching it when I watch reactions and, I, you know, and, and you can, you can, they're feeling the work. They don't know you did it. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the sense of creation is there. Um, if I had to crystallize the moment where I just knew that it was, um, absolutely my thing, uh, forever and ever is when I realized that I'm the first human being that gets to hear what these things sound like when all the elements come together, even before the director does, the producer does, you know, I'm sitting there cutting the sound, Kevin Kiner, the Kiner brothers, they're putting together all their music. The editors at, on the team have heard all the dialogue. The Foley crew is working on all their Foley. I get a music delivery. The Foley crew gives me their stuff. I have the dialogue and I start mixing and I bring all the elements together. And like you're chipping away at a, at a, a sculpture, you start to really hear all of the elements start to work together. And when they don't, you pull certain things away and you bring certain things back in. And, um, and then I get to present the final icing on the cake that, you know, hundreds of people have, have, have toiled away on to the director in this moment where of like total elation for, for them, for Athena, our producer, for Diane Kaliva, our, our post, uh, post, uh, manager, supervisor, being a part of that moment. Every time we finish an episode is my absolute favorite part of the job because you, you suddenly get to like share it. Like look at everything, not only, not only everything that I just did for you, but look at everything that you did and here it is realized. And, and there's like a, there's a little celebration. If it goes well, there's a little celebration that, that kind of happens. You know, I love that part. I love that. I hear it for the first time and get to kind of shape it into something and get to kind of find what it is that they're trying to present. And when, when, when it's collectively found together, it's just, it's magic. And you just know, it's like, it's almost like a 2d image becomes 3d and pops out of the, pops out of the screen and, and uh, really grabs your attention. And that's when you know, you know, it's really starting to work. I love that moment. It's another long-winded answer. But I just, music, sound, dialogue. And then I think the reason I work in all of them is because, to me, they all work in concert with each other. They're all orchestrated together. It's They're all in counterpoint with each other. And it's all, all important stuff. And I love working with all of it. Tech, we gotta move now. I'm working on it. Wrecker, clear the smoke on three. You got it, boss. Omega, stay low. One. Two. Three! While we're on the topic of Bad Batch still, are there any particular episodes that kind of stand out in your mind as far as ones that you're you're most proud of or were the most kind of surprised that they they even worked? Are there any, uh, I guess, any standouts in your mind from season one? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a few. Um, 
I mean, I, I loved the first episode. I mean, first of all, it was 72 minutes. It was, uh, you know, three quarters of a feature practically over the course of, I guess, four and a half hours of content, whatever a season is. I mean, that was just a huge, huge undertaking. There's a couple. Sometimes it's the ones that it's the episodes that would surprise you. I loved I loved doing Cut and Run, the second episode, because I was able to build this sort of rustic farm and have a quiet moment after the bombast of the first one. You know, and um, I got to, you know, do all these kind of squeaky weather vanes and things like that, um, very much like the beginning of Once Upon a Time in the West, you know, the Sergio Leone uh, Western, you know, is very inspired by just kind of these kind of rustic sounds. I loved doing that. It's probably not what you think, um, but that was a that was a really fun moment for me. And I think that's when I first really understood the power of Kiner's Omega's theme because it's just so beautiful in that, you know, and as a, as a dad, it really, that was a very moving episode to kind of work with all the elements together. And so that would probably be the most surprising answer. Probably an unsurprising answer would be the Braca, the whole Braca arc doing all that, that metal and things like that. And and then Wrecker's turn uh, with the chip activating funny side story. Speaking of Republic commando, this is the first time I've ever told this story, but this is a true story. So for years after doing Republic Commando, we were all given this team gift, which was this um, gentle giant statue. It's like this, um, uh, I guess you'd say, like co- almost a copper-looking statue of all of Delta Squad, and there it's 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 all four of them, and uh, it's this beautiful team gift. They only made like I don't know, 150 of them, 200 of them, something like that. And I had it on my desk forever. And when I moved into this space, for whatever reason, in all of my wisdom, I put it on top of one of my speakers where it stayed for a long time until I was mixing uh, the scene of Wrecker uh, turning. And there's a big bass drop and there's some really crazy kinder synths. And I just kept playing the scene over and over and over again because I was ducking out the sound for a moment of silence and then like a big sub, you know, sugar boom happens when he opens his eyes. And then, you know, this very sort of surreal sort of when he grabs Tech's throat you know, which, um, is not realistic at all, but it just, it's, it's frightening. You know, it becomes horror at that point and you just want to make something bigger than life because the moment deserves it. It's, it's surreal. I kept playing that scene over and over again and I was cranking it and unbeknownst to me, that statue was slowly sliding off of my speaker. And as I'm mixing it, I hear this big crash and I'm like, what was that? Was that like Pro Tools ticking? I don't remember cutting that into the scene. And I look up at my speaker and that statue's gone. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I go behind my desk, behind the console, and the thing is shattered in pieces on the floor. And I got really upset because it was my favorite, like, you know, team gift I've ever had. And uh, But then I laughed because I'm like, well, how appropriate. I'm working on this squad batch-inspired show, and one of them just had their chip activated in it, and it brought down uh, Delta Squad. <laughs> I thought that was the end of it and I was ready to make peace with it. And then the show came out and everyone kept noticing the Republic Commando homages, including the one that I talked about earlier with the helmet. And I'm part of this um, news group, this uh, LucasArts you know, news group of, of a lot of uh, old LucasArts employees that keep in touch. And they started sharing that footage around. And, uh, and I was just responding going, yeah, I'm putting in all these Republic Commando Easter eggs. That's me. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And then I just briefly told that story. Well, I get a message from an old colleague of mine named Mark, and he's like, hey, man, um, I have had a couple of extra of these in storage forever, still in the box. You know, these are super rare. They probably are like worth a thousand bucks or whatever on eBay. I don't even know. 
And he goes, I'm going to ship you one because you deserve it. And I'm, and you know, you're clearly still working on this stuff. And he did, he shipped me a new one. And I'm too scared to take it out of its box, but I, st- I, have, <laughs> I have my Republic Commando team gift back, and and I am so grateful uh, to Mark for for doing that, and just such a such a cool thing. And he didn't have to do that at all. And and uh, you know, I think just the the team that worked on Republic Commando worked so hard, and I think they were so thrilled to see those kind of callbacks happening 15 years after the or more than that after the original game came out. But that was a good one. Um, the 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 finale was great. You know, I was really trying to get um, those sort of crying sounds of you know poor Camino in its uh, death throes. Um, but I had a lot of help by then because I was also working on Star Wars Visions and Lego at the time we were doing the finale. Um, so an editor named Luke Dunn Gilmuda helped me with that, and I was able to really focus on the the, the sort of dying whale sounds of metal underwater. Gosh, there's so many so many really fun ones. Oh, the decommissioning facility. It was very complicated in terms of sound too, because you had three armies. You had the Droid Trade Federation army that wakes up. You've got you've got the Batch. You've got the Martez sisters, and then you've got these uh, Karelian uh, police droids. and And you have to be able to track who's who. Plus, you have to kind of spatially define where you are in this facility from the smelting area to are you above the are you in the catwalks? Are you at the, the treadmill level? Are you below the treadmill level? And like, you know, ducking all that sound and like trying to make it clear where you were, like, this is all very subtle stuff. But when I first saw the episode, it was hard for me to kind of keep track who was where until I really started placing sounds in certain places. And it's all very subtle work, but, and then you're in this big cavernous space with a lot of metal and noisy explosions and guns going off. That was a very challenging mix. Um, but those are things that I think are transparent to, to an audience, you know, and they should be, they should just sit back and enjoy it. But boy, that was a tough one. That was a real turning point for me in terms of learning how to mix this show and, uh, figuring out what to feature and, you know, how to keep the music really present, but at the same time, you know, tell the story with sound. There's just a lot of great moments. It's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's hours and hours of TV, you know, all, all put together done in about a year. Well, I would imagine too, as you know, coming to this as a, as a fan of the films as well, like as much fun as it is for us to see like the battle droids are back or something from clone wars. It's probably just as much fun for you to get to revisit those sounds. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, Brad Rao, the director and I love to have talk topics about head cannon because I'm like, well, I don't want to use the classic blaster sounds until that army wakes up because it's going to signal to everybody that that's the trade federation sound. So, you know, the Corellian droids cannot have classic blasters. The Martez sisters actually ended up doing like a classic solo pistol because he wanted it just to be clear and different. And for the Corellian droids, I was using a sound that Tim Nielsen designed for solo and uh, had cut a bunch of Corellian shipyard ambiences in there from solo as well. You know, um, and so it was great for me to be able to like, yeah, when this happens, you're going to use this, these sounds. When this happens, you're going to use these sounds. And, uh, and I, I love that, you know, I love, I love the classic blue donut that's all over the show, the stun gun. Uh, We're Um, huge, huge fans, huge fans of the stun. Yes, I know. I know. That's why I bring it up. I mean, I cut, and even then, you know, I, I put a little bit of a pow at the top of it so it doesn't sound too anemic. It kind of goes, you know, which is something that I added to that classic sound. So it doesn't just feel like, you know, when it fires, it's got to have a little bit more of a punch you know, nowadays. So, uh, to keep up with all of the other blasters that are happening and still sound dangerous and not, uh, not kind of, uh, unimpressive, I guess 
it needed to it needed to impress would have been a much easier way to say that but yeah um yeah i love to have those conversations about you know uh ship sounds and and droids and speaking of droids i i recorded myself as gonk because i i needed uh I needed sounds that weren't just the, the standard Ben Burt gonk sounds. I wanted him to sound kind of confused when Wrecker was doing curls with him. So if you listen to the gonk, it's my voice pitched down through an amp, a guitar amp going, gonk, gonk, what? Gonk, gonk, gonk. Are you serious? You know. Um, so those sounds are all on the show, which is great. Um, I just had a blast. I really had the time of my life doing Bad Batch. And the Kiner, I mean, I can't say enough nice things about the Kiner brothers. And also I need to say something about um, Kim Patrick, uh, who she did the the episode or season seven Clone Wars Bad Batch episodes. And so she established those blasters that they have, you know, Wrecker's sound and Hunter's and sound and Tex Pistol and all that stuff. You know, that all that was all work that she established that I then carried into the show to make sure that that was consistent. So, you know, but. Uh, over time I changed some stuff because they, I, again, in my head canon, they have time to mod it, you know, um, it's different now and that's fine. But yeah, uh, I love to have conversations about sounds and how to track those classic sounds. And that is actually a very big point of conversation in all of the star Wars shows that happen at the ranch, how to use classic sounds, when to use them, when to introduce something new, um, because they are powerful memory triggers. Activate battle droids. Command them to attack all police droids. Affirmative. Huh? What's happening? I don't know. Did we win? New command sequence. Your target is factory security personnel. Orders are orders. Other than Bad Batch, you had another big animation project with Visions. How did that come about and what episodes did you end up being involved with? Star Wars Visions was um, something that I was aware of, but had no idea I'd be working on it. And it started off small, which was, hey, there are a couple of episodes and we'd like you to, to take a listen. And so it started with Matt and Matt just started consulting on, I think, Tatooine Rhapsody. It was one of the, one of the first episodes that was done. And then after a while, you know, we started hearing from Lucasfilm, actually, we would like Skywalker Sound, or I should say the studios want to work with Skywalker Sound. So uh, Kamikaze Duga and Trigger and uh, was it Science Saru? Who's the other one? Anyway, some of the studios wanted to work with us and love Skywalker Sound and love Star Wars. And in some cases, it was a collaboration. And in some cases, they just handed it off to us completely. We knew we were going to mix the English in whatever they did. What I didn't know is how involved we would get. It started with um, the opening logo. That was the first thing that I, I worked on. They said, hey, we've got this logo. We've got music for it. We don't, we're not happy with it. Can you have a meeting? Maybe there's something we can do with sound. So Matt and, uh, Matt and I jump on a meeting with um, some Lucasfilm execs. And they're describing what they want. And, and I was like, well, what you have isn't, isn't that it's, you know, it's, it's uh, a very bold direction and it's very kind of one direction. It sounds like you want something that's a little bit more open and filled with possibility. And the more I was talking, they're like, yeah, yeah. And I started talking about sounds and finally Matt, and he did this to me with galaxy's edge too, which I just love, you know, when he pitched, pitched us to Imagineering, he's like, well, David's a 
a musician and a composer, you know, and that's how we ended up working on, you know, all the Galaxy's Edge Cantina music. And I said, well, yeah. And so we worked out a deal where I, you know, I wrote them, I, I gave them seven different versions because it's 12 seconds long. So I thought, all right, well, if I'm going to get the gig, let me give you a bunch of different options. Some I knew were not right, but let me just give them to you so that we can all be on the same page and rule certain directions out. I did everything from like the Zimmer, you know, to, um, you know, you know, that, that, um, you know, string thing when Obi-Wan Kenobi, I tried something like that. I did, I did a lot of different things that I tried and they said, we want something original, something simple. And, um, so I gave them what ended up being close. It was close to what, what was in there. And then they said more like version five or whatever it was. And so I did another, I think, five versions of that, and they picked one. And um, it's the one, it's the how the show opens, the da dee da da dum, which is minor third, dark side into light side, you know, so it's light side, dark side, yin yang, the whole thing. And, you know, with a Lydian harp at the end, you know, it's classic logo, Columbia, TriStar, whatever, Universal, whatever. It's classic logo language. And, and the reason that for that is because it, it's giving you a template for a possibility for things to happen, to unfold. And, and it's something that can take any style, any genre. It's perfect for something like visions because you can, you can have studios do whatever they want after that. You're just kind of giving, giving it this open-ended feeling. And so they loved it. And I did, you know, a mixture of lightsaber and paintbrush sounds and a little, it's kind of wet and paintbrush, you know, swipey. And so it was, the whole thing was conceived of just that. Well, I thought that was going to be the end of it. Um, but then they're like, well, no, we want you to work on a couple of episodes and here's the budget. And, and at the time I was still working on the finale of the bad batch. So, uh, I became sort of the supervising sound editor and, and, uh, Matt said, just, you know, talk to these people and try and put together a crew. So I did, I, I had a different Foley crew for each episode. I had a different, um, different sound editor help me. And then I was kind of the sound designer on each one. And I had to hire mixers because I didn't have time to mix it myself. So, we worked on the elder, the twins, the duel, and uh, the village bride. And the first one I did was the elder. I edited that one myself because I still had time. Did the sound design on it. Steven Urata, who just won an Emmy for The Mandalorian, he mixed it. And uh, we got to work with um, the team at Trigger that did it. That was incredible. We mixed it in the evening, so it was morning in Japan the next day. Everyone was on Zoom. Um, we got to collaborate together. It was like a party. They, they were drawing car- – the artists at, at Trigger were drawing caricatures of me and Steven, which is now my little Sky Sound Slack picture is a you know, picture that uh, an artist Trigger drew of me during that, during that Elder mix playback. And then the second one we did was The Twins. And The Twins was actually a complete, uh, ironically or not, uh, twin effort between the audio group at Trigger and us because they had already done a full pass. They wanted us to come in and do another pass and then they wanted us to merge the two together. You know, they wanted a little bit more of that sky sound flavor in there. So, you know, all the laser whips and the, you know, the, the grievous homage and, you know, uh, the, the, a lot of the lightsaber sounds and we did a whole pass on it and, and the two, um, together is what's in the final mix. And that was by far the most complicated mix that we did of the four episodes. But I just couldn't stop thinking about the duel. Um, the duel, when I first saw it, I thought this is going to blow people away. I watched it again and again and again on our little internal tool and it had no sound in it yet, no music. And it came to us as a, as a blank slate. And so I immediately went about on the Sith, um, 
you know, saber umbrella and the, uh, the, the katana lightsabers and the Gatling repeater and, uh, Danielle Dupree, who I'd done, uh, resistance season two with, she mixed it. And we had, and Luke, uh, who Luke Dungilmuda, who was, I, I said, okay, I need you to stop working on the bad batch finale and then move over to this thing called the duel. And he helped cut on that. And, um, I just was in awe the entire time. And I'm also a huge fan of um, Japanese cinema, Kurosawa and, you know, uh, Shindo and, and a lot of other, a lot of other directors. And so of course I loved all of the Rashomon and Yojimbo and seven samurai references. And, and so it was very meaningful for me. And that was a really, really great mix. And I could not wait for it to come out. Village Bride was another great experience as well. And the music for that, Kevin Penkin just did an incredible job. Uh, he was actually in on the mix and that I, I'm still waiting for like a pop single for that. It's so good. Such a good um, melody. Those were the four that we worked on. And then we did all the English mixes for all of the nine different, ver- nine different uh, episodes. But that was, that was like a whirlwind. And I was like, I can't wait for this to come out. I cannot wait for people to see this. Yeah, that must have been such a trip because even in your descriptions makes me think of like the duel, like the the whole sonic atmosphere of the duel versus something like the Village Bride, which is so meditative and quiet, and that's the whole thing of at least the first half of the Village Bride, the connection with nature, and it's just so that made that's the wonderful thing with visions. It's so many different flavors. Yeah, I I, I did a. It's funny. Nobody knows this, but at the time, I did a pass on Toby One. Oh, wow. And I almost worked on Toby One and Akakiri. And I watched Akakiri and I was like, this is great. I don't think anyone should touch it. When I heard Toby, I call it Toby One. I think it's T-O-B-1, but to me, it's Toby One, Toby One. When I first heard it, the temp mix that we had, the sound effects that they made, the very sort of Astro Boy sound effects that they made were not loud enough in the mix. And so... I was like, well, this needs something. So I actually did a sound pass, which is why you can hear uh, TIE Fighter in there. You can hear some of like the the Camino, you know, uh, soup spoon chair sound. <laughs> you know, you can hear uh, the droids ticking. You can hear a lot of sky sound sounds in that episode. I did those because – and I said, look, this is – you know, and while I was doing it, another mix came in and the sounds were louder. And I'm like, boy, I really don't want to mess with their – vision on this, you know, uh, to be literal about the, 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 you know, theme of the show, this is their vision. So I just kind of stopped what I was doing. I'd done a lot of lightsaber work at the end and I'd said, I'm going to give this to you and please tell them they can do whatever they want with it, including ignore it, just take it. But it was something that we did because, you know, when you're doing something for the first time and you're a, you know, an exec at Lucasfilm, you don't necessarily know what's hitting and what isn't while it's in development because you've never seen anything like it. And it's not till the end that you go, Oh, Oh, we're, we're good. You know? And so when they actually gave us a, a, you know, a really great mix and a lot of those sounds were done, I was like, Oh, this is like so unique and charming. And, and the sound is so different and wonderful. And, and I mean, yeah, we can put some accents. Here's some speeder stuff. Here's Ray going through the desert. Like he's going through the desert, you know, but but really, it's it shouldn't be about that. It should be about this studio's vision, you know, this kind of uh, Astro Boy uh, love letter, you know, mixed with Star Wars. And so um, that stuff's in there. But really, you know, that to me was really exciting because it was a totally unique reimagining of not just Star Wars, but also Star Wars sounds, which really doesn't get messed with often, if ever. And it did in that. And uh, I thought that was cool. 
Yeah, since you're mentioning how Visions was kind of a chance to kind of do something different with sound, were there any sounds that you worked on or created or ones from the other studios that you kind of fell in love with were, or was something that you wouldn't have expected to be a Star Wars sound, but just when you saw it on screen, it really worked? I mean, Toby One is the is the is the big example for that one. That one just blew me away. I think the others were uh, were great, you know. Um, but then some came to us with no sound at all. You know, the 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 Elder and the Duel had had no sound when we got them, so we we did those completely. And I really wanted some metallic elements in those sabers. I wanted those sabers to feel different. The Gatling repeater is kind of, it doesn't sound the same, but it's kind of a cousin to one that I did for the old Republic trailer, the Hope Republic trailer. There's a couple of really cool weapons I did in that trailer. And it was kind of a nice, nice to revisit that repeater, you know, that, you know, and it's got a little bit of a, a Django vibe to it. Um, the four sounds, the saber duels. I don't know. I just, there are some things I, I felt like needed to be an anchor. Like I wanted people to really know that under that hat was an astromech. And so I used some R2 sounds, which we normally don't do on astromechs unless it's R2. But here it's so far visually removed that kind of like George Lucas using orchestral romantic classic Hollywood music for Star Wars. I wanted some sounds to, to anchor us into Star Wars because the visuals were so different. But at the same time, the weapons needed to be different. Um, things needed to feel different. And so that was an interesting balance. Um, the twins was just, I mean, just insane. We pulled out every trick in the book on the twins. The elder, the note I got was they wanted the rain to sound like Rashomon. They wanted sort of Japanese pheasants in uh, the farm area. They didn't want it to be too exotic. They wanted it to feel like Jedi Geki. They really wanted it to feel like a, a period Japanese drama. And so that's what we did. In fact, I almost overdid it. The director had me pull out. He senses a disturbance in the force, you know, at the beginning. Um, and, uh, Dan's like, what's going on master. And, and, um, I had it crazier than that. And he said, no, pull it back. You know? So it was, every director was so different. And, um, this was their chance to work on star Wars. And it was clear for the directors that did want to work with Skywalker, that that was a big part of star Wars for them. Others were like, well, that's, it's not about the sound. It's about our story, you know, and we're doing something different, but it's in that, uh, you know, inspired by that world. So there was no hard and fast rule, you know? It's TV, and and so you don't have an unlimited budget on these things. You don't have unlimited time. You have to you have to you know make decisions quickly. You know, um, and and you're moving on to the next one. You know, I think most people would be surprised to know how fast we move um, in television animation. You know, we move very quickly, and uh, that's you know so the, you know so the trick is to do the highest quality possible in the shortest amount of time, um, and that's not you know, unique to Lucasfilm or Skywalker sound. That's just TV in general, particularly animation. You know, it's all, um, it's already very expensive and we're doing, you know, so many episodes per season. So, yeah, I mean, so I worked on those sounds and I moved on to the next one and I was like, this is going to be huge. And by the time it came out, I was already working on, I think season two of the bad batch or something. What? So you're a Jedi. It's been a long time since I killed a Jedi. Your lightsaber blade is red! Coward! Unfortunately, I am not a Jedi. What did you guys think of the Lego shorts, by the way? Do you have a favorite between Halloween and uh, the holiday special? 
Oh gosh, they were both really good. I really, I, I'm a sucker for anything holiday special. So I maybe I gravitated towards the holiday special one a bit more, but the the Halloween the one that just came out like a couple of weeks ago was super fun. I loved the the Wookiee's paw. Yeah, that was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. You might have known that's actually Sam Witwer, by the way, in the Lost Boys one going, destroy the temple, you know, being the 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 body bag, put him in a body bag bully, you know, 80s sidekick bully. That's all Sam just channeling his 80s movie uh, geekdom. Uh, I, I do like the fact that uh, it seems like with each one of these, does Matt Wood gets more dialogue yeah <laughs> like was yeah. That, is he like working behind the scenes since the halloween one had kylo ren it had grievous in it, it had battle droids well you know matt being kylo ren comes from adam driver because he was just like you know because adam driver heard some temp and let's just put it this way there's a reason why matt does kylo ren you know he and adam driver worked very close together on those movies in order to find that sound you mix that with Matt's obvious comedic timing of, you know, being a battle droid. And like, it just, it spelled a perfect opportunity for him, for Lego, for, for Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. Like he's just so good in both of those specials. Yeah. Because he did, he did Kylo Ren and resistance and, uh, you know, I think some games and I think maybe some Disney parks, I'm not sure, but, but he's done it. He's done it quite a bit. Battle droids, obviously he's done forever. Grievous he's done forever. So yeah, he, he has this way of, uh, of being the perfect guy that's, you know, always around to do the perfect voice. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it is great that it did turn into the Matt Wood show. Like, you know, between the battle droids and Ben Solo and great general Grievous. That's pretty funny, but I think it's just by accident. He did, you know, two episodes or two seasons of the Freemaker adventures, you know, as Roger as well, that show, um, with, uh, Bill and Bob for Disney channel. So yeah, he's been in a lot, he's been doing a lot of acting, but, um, yeah, the holiday special, I particularly love because I, that one I actually did completely from home. People might be surprised to, to know because that was in the height of COVID. I I designed, cut, and mixed all of that remotely from the desk I'm sitting at now. And it was really weird because there was a giant billboard up <clears throat> in uh, L.A. over the 405 of the holiday special. And I'm like, man, I did that from home. <laughs> you know? like, because of course I did. If you think about the timing, I mean, people don't like to think about this stuff. But, you know, everyone's still working from home for the most part. You know, instead of going into an office building. And that one was one where the schedule just worked out in a certain way, um, where we did the mix preview and I was still home. And then when we got to final, I was still home and couldn't go in. And it and it was great, you know, and I checked my levels and I checked I checked it against a bunch of other mixes and I was really, really happy with that one. That was really fun. And again, they're like forty five minutes, it's half a feature, you know. But we give it the same love that we would give an episode of Bad Batch or an episode of Mando or any of those things, you know, it's a lot of work and, and I love doing it. It was also nice to do like a Christmas Carol time travel through every, you know, genre, like to do the pod race, but then also do Dagobah and then also do the trench, rebuild the trench run and certain sounds in Star Wars you never get to touch because they're so iconic. I never get to touch pod racers. Like I can't ever remember ever editing Sebulba's pod racer uh, ever. And I've heard it in the library a million times, but I finally got to edit and work with those sounds for this because it's too iconic you can't use it for anything else but yeah that was really really fun to recreate all those shots they're side by side I think we gotta move on to biomes because we loved by we did a commentary for biomes I still I put on biomes all the time it's so 
peaceful. It's so like sometimes I just want a little taste of Star Wars and I just want to fly over Hoth. What were your thoughts going into it with creating the sound? Because the sound, I think, is just as incredible as the visuals we're seeing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you know, um, I was first asked to do it by our, our uh, one of our managers at Skywalker. Hey, I've got a project for you. Can you do this? I said, what are they? And then he's like, uh, they're like these uh, interactive screensavers. And I said, oh, okay. I didn't. I mean, they weren't, but... I, I don't know if they that was just something they were telling Skywalker to describe it or if they actually didn't know what they were going to do with it yet. But I first got this one and it was called Biomes. And I was like, um, okay, yeah, I'll do this. Uh, you know, uh, okay, it's just, what is it? It's just a, well, when I first got it and I found out, you know, well, you only have like, uh, I don't know what it was, a week or two to do these. And I'm like, but it's like 20 minutes. I can't do this in a week. And they're like, well, just watch it. And I did. And I said, oh, yeah, I can do this, <laughs> you know, because it, it was I was like, oh, I get it. This is really atmospheric. It's about vibe. There's not a lot of action. You know, it's really ambient. And so um, unlike Galaxy of Sounds, I I did every I placed every sound in those. So that was something that I designed, you know. Uh, oh, it's Hoth. OK, well, let me grab the Hoth wind. OK, let me grab these uh, speeder buys. Let me grab the. You know, the probe droids, uh, the probes falling from the sky and the probe droid going by and the tauntauns and the ships and the distant walkers, you know, and I, I put all that together. I cut all those together and, and um, you know, and in some cases there wasn't much going on really at all. Like, um, you know, uh, the Mandalorian shot, you know, the, the Razor Crest flies over. But other than that, it's very peaceful. I didn't have the music yet. So I was just making everything very ambient. Mustafar was great. Doing Octo, uh, Octo. With the uh, sea dragon, that was really fun. Trying to figure out the distance towards the falcon and the falcon taking off. You want to hear it, but you don't quite see it yet. And I want to hear the rock, the water coming off the rocks, but only if you get to a certain distance, you know, a certain, you know, distance. So you come close to it. I want to hear it. Those were really fun to put together. And then I got the music. And the way that, that we get music delivered to us is in stems, meaning here's your stem of woodwinds here's you know all in isolation your isolated woodwinds your isolated percussion your isolated harp your isolated high strings your isolated low strings etc well we were in the mix playback and they just kept saying hey we feel like the music is too much and so we kept pulling them first of all the music is beautiful but what is in the final is so much less or i should say thinned out orchestration from what they wrote so a lot of times i would just leave the flutes and everything else would be muted you know and it would just be like these flutes over crate by the way the crate sequence was so fun to do uh to sort of recreate that and the walkers coming down the screen and and they just kept saying the entire time turn it down turn it down not just the music but everything turn it down turn it down turn it down and um just like that everything got very asmr and very quiet very serene and so, yeah, I just kept turning it down and, and, uh, and it actually went into a second day of mixing where I said, let me make some changes offline and I, let me just rethink about how we do this. And, uh, I did. And the same is true for the vehicle fly throughs. You know, when you go through the Falcon, there was all this music and they're like, well, but we just kind of want to hear the whir of machinery, not loud, not loud, not like an episode, you know, but just kind of there and pleasant and nothing should ever be transient really nothing should pop out at you it should just all be very um languid and once i realized that that that's what they were going for suddenly everything just kind of clicked into place and and i mixed it and i forgot about it i mean that was january of 
21, I think I mixed that. And it didn't come out until May the 4th, I think. I can't remember. I think it was May the 4th. And I didn't even know it was coming. I just dropped. And I was like, oh, those. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, I didn't know what they were going to do with them. I thought, are these like those Apple, like I have an Apple TV and when you leave your TV alone, like suddenly you see jellyfish. I thought it was going to be like that. But then it came out as like a, a, a watchable thing. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. And so I, I think, you know, it, there's a lot of wonderful um, experimentation that Disney Plus allows for that I'm seeing, you know, in Galaxy of Sounds just blew me away. Just the concept that they were going to do it. You know, uh, Zenimation had already done it with Disney. If you look up Zenimation on, on Disney Plus, logically, Star Wars needs to do one of these, you know. And uh, again, I just got a call, you know, hey, you know, Star Wars, can you do this for us? And so I, I worked on that. You know, kind of on and off over the course of a couple months, uh, in between episodes of Bad Batch, I'd you know go back to it for a week, and I hand synced every shot in the surround um, of that of that show from all the different movies, different frame rates, different you know some have foley, some don't. You know, um, it's interesting. You know, some archives are different than others, but but uh, that was really fun. Look, we're right back where we started. Yeah, well, that was a question I had with Galaxy of Sounds is. When you were, you know, for each movie, how much control do you have with the mix? Because, you know, I'm assuming some amount of sounds are kind of baked down to one track. Yeah. So how much control did you have as far as, you know, once the dialogue and music were gone, if you wanted to make adjustments? Uh, I mean, yeah, you're dealing with a a stem. So it's a it's a baked 5.1 surround sound stem from the movie sometimes it's multiple stems like i was using uh a creature stem and a hard effect stem and a foley stem um every once in a while i cut in some breaths or some laughter where it absolutely needed it um but we stayed away from dialogue stayed away from music a lot of times my job was to just balance things because not all of them flowed together smoothly. Like sometimes a shot, if you just left it alone, would be unnaturally loud after the previous shot. And so I had to smooth it out and ride the volume and make it all one cohesive thing over almost 50 years of content. You know, that was really my job. And then you'll notice a lot too, that I had everything set up on, you know, um, transitional reverb send. So I could kind of wash the transitions from one to the next. But again, I wanted it to be a pure experience because hardcore fans know this stuff so well. So I didn't want to mess with it. But I figure, you know, if you're crossfading between two films that are 30 years apart, it's okay if I splash you with reverb, you know, um, because that's not how it was originally presented. And no, and everyone knows that, you know. So that was really my job. And then a lot of times I had to sweeten certain transitions or I had to duck out early because a distracting sound came in the middle of it um, or I had to edit around something, um, you know, in the tail. I didn't have enough tail, you know, into the next shot or something. But those were rare. You know, I'm kind of describing the the exceptions to the rule. Those were rare. For the most part, I just let it play as, as much as I could without it, you know, hurting my ears. You know, and I, my job was to really just, uh, like I said, like restoring a painting. That's really kind of what I, how I saw it. I wanted to be a good steward of all of that hard work over um, decades of people that I've been looking up to my entire life. Literally my entire life, you know. So that was really that was another really meaningful one. Yeah, I, I I'm sure I can speak for Jason too. Like we we were floored by Galaxy of Sounds. Like when we heard it was coming, we we couldn't imagine what it was. And then when it actually dropped that day, it was like this is just perfect. Did you hear it was coming? We didn't know when it was coming, but I think they announced it was coming at some point, didn't they, Jason? 
Yeah, it was like on it was on like what's coming to Disney Plus on some Latin America Twitter page. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I didn't know. Like when I tweeted about it, it was like the world had no idea because it got tweeted, retweeted like a thousand times. I don't know what it was, but it was like it was almost like there was no announcement. It just was like here you go. Uh, Visions just came out. Now you get this. Here you go. You know, <laughs> I didn't realize it was announced anywhere. You know, I thought it was just a complete surprise. Uh, but that's interesting. Yeah, but it was like we had no idea what it was, and it was yeah. I I dropped my kid off at school, and literally I came in the house and I was like, wait, what? This is on. And I sat. I was like, okay, I've got fifteen minutes. And I sat down and I was like, you've got to be kidding. This is a love letter to one of our favorite parts of Star Wars, the incredible sounds. Yeah. And it was just, it was so well done and so fascinating. The montage of just people hugging yeah. throughout the films. <laughs> you know what's so interesting about that is this feeling of like, ooh, is this falling flat? And I'm like, no, actually, just let it play. Let it play. Yeah. Don't alter it. Don't add any distant ship buys. Don't add anything. Yeah, just the montage of hugging. Just let the foley play of them hugging, and that's it. Yeah, no, it's it was it's it's like it's completely outrageous and completely emotional, almost at the same time. Like it's it's like perfect Star Wars. It's like riding that fine line yeah. between you know being completely serious and not. And and yeah, the way those were edited is just phenomenal. And then yeah, the the just hearing the sounds without the music and dialogue too just really gives you a different feeling and really i don't know it's almost like seeing those scenes for the first time in some ways yeah that was a really fun project to work on there's just a lot of special stuff that that uh lucasfilm has been up to and skywalkers had a chance to do and it just makes me so happy not just as you know someone you know working up there but as a fan you know um yeah it's a good time to be a star wars fan i've been saying that a lot in the last four or five years or more it really is because even like you were saying, some of the the special things that having something as unique as Disney Plus offers. Like I, in like the early days of the podcast, Gabe and I would say, like, what if there was just an all Star Wars channel where they could just put all kinds of crazy stuff on there? And I, I don't even think in our wildest dreams we imagined something like Galaxy of Sounds, where you know we we talk about the sounds all the time but just your average person could be like oh what's this new star wars thing oh i've never thought about how important these sounds are in telling this story and just putting them literally front and center it's just yeah it, it brought a tear to our eyes almost <laughs> that's great yeah and, and if you think about it it would never happen with a traditional re- release you're not going to put that on tv you're not going to put it in theaters you're not going to release it on blu-ray specifically i mean you probably could after it's a hit but I mean, you you don't have the pressure of you know the entire retail channel, you know, and all of that. You can you can do something kind of artsy and experimental and put it on as 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 content like that, and it finds its audience. I love that about streaming. I love that this new technology gives us the ability to do stuff like that. And I really hope you know this stuff is not ever my decision. I just am, you know when I'm lucky enough to work on it, I do. Um, but I I just I'm so uh, I applaud the decision. You know, uh, there's just a lot of a lot of great things like that that we've gotten that I've um, whether I worked on it or not, I'm just a big fan of. And and uh, yeah, I love that Disney Plus gives us the opportunity to 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 see that stuff. Otherwise, we never would have potentially. Well, I know, and we love, like we said in back in the beginning too, seeing your name in the credits. It's it's like we we know you're a fan, like we said in the beginning, and we know it's it's you know it's 
it's it's a win for all of us. We're all just like, yes, we. It, I can tell a fan made this, and I can tell, you know, someone thinking of all of us is driving the car with the in the sound area there. Oh, well, that's that's the best compliment you could ever give. I I appreciate that, and it's it's absolutely true. And you know, I, I I'm I'm searching for this for the sound and the that sound that I want. You know, and um, I'm always chasing it. So that's that's great to hear. But yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, I have this joke with uh, Matt. You know, especially when I'm like the sound designer and the sound editor and the re-recording mixer, and it's like first base Bugs Bunny, second base Bugs Bunny, third base. Bugs, <laughs> you know, this year in particular was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like all the stuff is coming. You know, coming out after years of of not uh, having a chance to do it. It reminds me of the early days of Lucas Arts when we would put out like. 12 star Wars games in a year. It felt like, or in two years, I mean, like in 2002, I think we put out like half a dozen games that fall. It really reminds me of that period of just like this glutton of great, uh, content, you know? Um, and as soon as you're done with one thing, there's just something else waiting for you to, to get started on. Um, I wish I could tell you what I had coming up in the future. I, I cannot, but, um, but I'm very excited about everything that's coming next. Just like I'm excited about, I was excited about all the stuff you guys have already seen. I really appreciate you guys saying that. It means a lot. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. We know what a busy person you are. And yeah, this has just been an absolute thrill. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I hope to get back to my podcast, The Soundtrack Show. Uh, I, I think this year has illustrated why that's been a challenge. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and, uh, but yeah, please, please find me online at, at David W. Collins on Instagram and Twitter. And, and, uh, yeah, I hope to talk to you guys more. I just like last time, I'd love to come back on the show. Uh, I love, I love your guys show. So, um, thanks for doing what you do and for the, all the laughs with seven days of Dengar and, you know, the Indiana Jones celebration all year long and all of that, but it's just awesome. So thanks for, thanks for putting all the work you put into because doing a podcast is a lot of work. Um, so thank you. No, thank you again for, for taking the time to, uh, talk to us about all this wonderful stuff. You bet. Sound is a very important part of the picture. It's not just a, uh, an assembly line thing where you sort of cut the picture and then you just dump the sound on later. It's a much more uh, thought out than that. Too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
folks, you know the deal with Apple Podcast reviews. When you get done listening to this, if you liked what you heard, go leave us a little review. Say something nice. It helps the show. It brings warm feelings to our hearts. And did we say that we love reading those reviews? Because we do. And after that, make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com. And you are following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you are on Facebook, you need to be in our Super Chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where there's a new episode of our continuing 10-minute chunk retrospective on the classic episode one documentary the beginning and we have some other stuff planned before the end of the year so it's still gonna be a lot of fun over there on patreon but that about wraps up here number 287 david w collins wow what an amazing treat this is so great having the time to be able to talk to him is just yeah just always a joy yeah it was totally worth the wait for him to be able to come back on the show and yeah we are so grateful he was able to spend some time talking to us about star wars sound it's what we live for that stuff (laughs) so just incredible but yeah thank you everyone so much for listening indie year is back next week so look forward to that but until then thank you all so much thank you bye-bye may the force be with you goodbye old friend may the force be with you No, we're still here. I, I'm, I'm just catching up there. I'll oh. catch it up. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just, like <laughs> I just I just gave you I just gave you my rapid fire. Uh. No, it's perfect. We're just. Uh, <laughs> I think neither of us wanted to jump in over the other one. May the force be with all of you. <laughs>